The Bar Star Podcast, hosted by Stephen O'Reilly, is a podcast about working musicians, their friends, and their opinions. Stephen is a musician in Louisville, Kentucky, who has... Wait a second. This guy's a drummer, not a real musician? Somebody gave a drummer a microphone for his voice? The hell? Unreal. Unbelievable. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly, and I want to thank you for taking the time to hang out with me again, for checking back in with the show. I hope everybody is doing well. Hope you guys had a good week. I hope you actually went out and did some shit. And I am not flying solo today. I am hanging out with my buddy, Carl Stuck. How are you, sir? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm beyond fantastic. If you're fantastic, I have to be beyond fantastic. Yeah, that's good to be. I mean, I'm not as pretty as you, so I have to do something. Yeah, that's debatable. <laughs> so how's things, man? How's life? Everything is good. I'm uh, I'm glad Christmas is over and I am uh, have a chance to slow down a little bit. Well, that is true, and I was going to get to that eventually, but um, since we're not 100% sure when this is going to post, uh, you did. You had a hell of a Christmas with... An elf named Mo. Yes, I promoted the hell out of my Christmas song. Yes, you did. Well, it's a great song, too. I actually Thanks. dig it. I dig it a lot. How do you feel it came out? As far as the whole art contest and all that stuff, were you happy with it? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think as musicians, we always want more. But um, Well, true. But yeah, I'm, I'm pleasantly pleased with uh, how things turned out. I, um, I got streams and downloads as far away as Denmark and Australia. Nice. Very um, cool. So, I mean, the analytics nowadays are so incredible. You can find out who streamed your song, where they're from, where they streamed it, if they're male or female, how old they are. It's pretty crazy. It, well, yeah, it's the tech. I tell my students. It's a little scary, really. It is. I, I tell my students all the time, and I've said it on the show before. Um, technology is the, the worst, greatest thing ever invented. It is. Because you can do so much with it, but you can do so much bad with it as well. And but it gets kind of creepy, too. The great thing about musicians, especially um, for those who want to do original stuff and maybe tour and all that, is you can, with the analytics that they have nowadays, you can determine where your song is being successful. Yep. And you can drive your tour to to hit those places. Yep. You can go specific markets just yeah. based on what your oh, computer yeah. tells you. It's so much different than in the old days where it was hit or miss. It, it is, but there's, I maybe call me old school, but I, I kind of kind of miss jumping in a van and seeing what happens. Oh, I, I miss being on the road bad. I do too. I, uh, there was another show I did with, with our mutual friend Hoback, and we talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to go back on the road so bad I can't stand it. I, I would love to be on the road again. Yeah. That's a Willie Nelson. Just can't wait to get on the road again. <laughs> you beat me, but I'm, I'm a horrible <laughs> singer, so I wasn't going to do it. Um, so you listen to my show. You know how I do things. I'm not going to ask you a bunch of crazy questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will ask you this because... As my fan base knows, I have a shitty memory. How did we meet? I know the first band we were in together, and I know all that stuff. I just don't remember how we met. Do you? Um, nope. That's it. Show's over, folks. We're out of time. <laughs> See you next week. I would assume uh, that we probably met because we needed to add a drum. I re- here's how I remember things. Uh, we were in strum beat together. Yes. That was um, the first time you and I ever played together. But I, I think we met because, well, what happened was our prior, prior to when you and Chip were in the band, we were a three-piece, two acoustic guitar singers, and a guy who played hand drums at Dumbeck and Ajimbe. Yes. Um, and when he left, we tried to get him replaced two or three times, and we could never find anybody with the exa- exactly the right feel that we were looking for to play hand drums. And then, for whatever reason, I think it was Aaron's call. Aaron was another guy in the band, for those of you listening. Um, I think it was Aaron's call that he decided, well, let's call up Chip. And I said, well, if you have a bass player, we got to have a, a drummer. Right. And and you guys came as a team, from what I remember. But I don't recall for sure. No, that... Is that, that not right? That sounds about right. It kind of clicked as soon as you said that, because I actually met Chip at... This is really weird, but I met Chip at our friend Ryan Murphy's re- mm. wedding reception. Oh, really? 
they did Spanky Lee did Ryan Murphy's oh, okay. wedding reception, right? And I knew Ryan from Moms because I'm not from here, so uh-huh. I I kept getting introduced to all these people. And you know, when you move somewhere new, you bombarded the you meet a million people and you don't remember any of them, right? But I remember Ryan said, "Are you going to come to my wedding?" I said, "Of course I am." And we went to the reception, and Spanky Lee was playing, and he introduced me to Chip. And then Chip and I kind of hit it off, and one thing led to another, and he's like, hey, I need a drummer for whatever it was. I don't remember. And the next thing I know, I'm in strum beat with you three. I don't I don't honestly know if we met before we played together. I don't think we did. I now think that I'm I met you at a gig. It. I think so. And in fact, it may have even been my bar. I think I was thinking the exact same thing. I th- with those sugar fries. God, I miss those French fries. Anyway, um, no, I, I think it is right. Uh, or I think yeah. that is right. The f- we met. At a gig. At a gig. The first time we ever played together was the first time we met each other. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, that's why music is so cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, I've met several cool. people that way. Um, I, I have as well. It's really cool. Well, and the the thing that I really dig about it is when the chemistry's there, not just musically, but as humans. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you and I have been friends since that day. Yeah. It's kind of cool. It is cool. So that that's really cool how music brings people together. I dig that. But what I don't know as your friend, as long as we've been friends, how long have you been playing? Um, well, here's something that you probably don't know. When I started, I started as a drummer. When I was probably... No, I didn't know that. I had to think about that. No, I didn't know that. I'm trying to think how old I was. I was a little bitty kid. I probably was seven or eight years old. And I wanted to play the drums. And I remember having a little Bugs Bunny drum set that my parents bought me. And I put holes in all the heads. <laughs> they, had, they had those, you know, toy drum set heads with their paper heads, basically. Right. Yeah. And I did this with, you know, I, I'm making a motion like I'm hammering something. Uh, I held the sticks in my hand and poked holes in the heads. So you were an angry snot from the get-go, like so, I was. So <laughs> so when I took drum lessons, uh, I took drum lessons from a, a guy who was sort of a local legend when I was a little kid. His name was Johnny Roy, and he owned a place called Johnny Roy's Drum Shop. And my mom took me to him to take lessons, and all I had was a little triangle pad, a little rubber pad to practice on. Right. I didn't have any actual drums. I give my students those, and they hate me for it, but whatever. And every time <laughs> I went to the drum lesson... The entire half hour or however long it was, I was always fixated on brushes. And I always wanted to play with the brushes. And he would never let me play with the brushes. He always made me play with sticks. And eventually he told my mom they'd take me out of lessons. Really? um, Which I think is ridiculous. Now, looking back as a teacher, I think I would never do anything to dissuade a kid from playing. If they want to use brushes, okay, let them use brushes. Whatever gets them in the the frame of mind that gets them wanting to practice. Right. No, um, I, I agree with that. And, and as a, I think I've been a drum instructor for close to 15 years. I have told parents they need to take their kids out of lessons, but not because they wanted to use brushes versus something else because they just didn't want to be there. Yes. And it's obvious. Uh, and you I, don't want to be here. Beat it. I get that. Yeah. I, I've that's taught, a completely different I've thing. taught as well. And uh, so jump fast forward uh, when I was probably, I don't really honestly remember. I'm guessing 12 or 13, my parents gave me a, a, an acoustic guitar and I took guitar lessons uh, from a guy named John Grammer at a place called Night Music. And you have a fantastic memory. I, I just, don't. I really don't. I, re, I remember. Well, you're bullshitting I, me. <laughs> I remember really dumb stuff. But like, if you asked me what I had for breakfast yesterday, I, I would have to think about it, even though I have the same thing for breakfast every day. Um, Carl, what'd you have for breakfast? I'm just kidding. Carl. <laughs> anyway, so I, I took lessons from this guy, John, and I'd get all excited at my lesson, and then I would go home and I'd practice the day of my lesson, and then I would put the guitar down and I'd pick it up a week later on my way to the lesson. Ah, so I didn't practice. Of, you were one of those I kids. I was one of those kids. Mm. Um, so eventually, John told my mom, um, you're wasting your money. He's not practicing. He won't get any better. You might as well take him out of lessons. That actually surprises me as good as you are. So she did. a phenomenal guitar player. She took me out of lessons. uh, And then a couple of years later, I think I was 14, um, I found ACDC and I wanted to be a guitar player again. And uh, before that, I was a big Elvis fan. I like Elvis and Kenny Rogers and stuff like that. Nice. And then ACDC, I think I was in the sixth grade and all my friends liked ACDC. So uh, 
So of course, you to be too. cool, yeah, I had to learn who ACDC was. And, right. Uh, I got the the album back in black, and um, I wanted to play guitar, and so I took lessons from a guy named Tom Browning, who's another local guy who still plays. And he was really good at teaching me how to teach myself, if that makes sense. No, um, it does. I, I get exactly what you're talking about. Because I'm not, I, I was never very good at, you know, when they use staff paper and write notes down and te- try to teach me how to read. And I was more about learning. I wanted to, it's funny, later in life, I learned of my aunt's a piano teacher. And um, she teaches a method called the Suzuki method, which is a method where they teach you how to play before they teach you how to read music. Right. And it's all classical stuff, but um, I'm a big fan of that method of, of teaching. It's just like when you're when you're born, you don't learn to read and speak at the same time. You learn to speak first, and then later on, you learn how to put that on paper. Right. And I think music, I think naturally, that's how, that's why people can be great singers without ever having taken a lesson, because it's something that you naturally do. You right. naturally hear music and feel music. And um, well, and I'm that way because uh, a lot of people in town know me as the guy that moved from Atlanta and I went to music school mm-hmm. and all that people forget that I played for 17, 18 years before I even set foot in a music school. Mm-hmm. I taught myself everything I knew and I never had a single lesson, not one lesson until I was, when I went to aim, I was 29. Oh wow. I think, yeah, whatever, close enough, 29 or 30. I mean, I had, I had done some touring and all this stuff. So I agree with I know exactly what you're saying and I get it. It comes from within and then you, when you really sink yourself into it and you, it clicks in your head that that's what you want to do. I think the theory end of it later is completely acceptable and it's, it's almost easier to do because when you try to, I think put when you, the theory in, when you try and do it at the same time, it, it becomes confusing. It does. Yeah. I think when you're trying to learn while you're trying to learn how to play, it makes both of them go more slowly. I would agree. I think if you, if, because playing is a whole lot different than reading and you can't concentrate on technique if you're trying to figure out what note that is and what finger to put where and, or in, in your case, what stick to hit, which drum with or whatever. Right. Um, the, the only thing I teach my super beginners um, immediately off the bat is how to count. Count to four. We'll get to the rest later. And then if once everything progresses, then I teach them how theory and how to read because there, there is actually drum music. I know you know that, but um but I always make sure that they know how to count. And then after mm-hmm. that, I just give them playing exercise. Play this, try that, play this groove, blah, blah, blah. I agree. And I, then I, I teach them theory. For me, when I taught, one of the most important things to me is not what you're doing even with your instrument. It's when, it's it's how you hear music. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like for me, I, I don't know if I hear music in a different way than a lot of people. But like if I'm trying to learn a song, I don't have my instrument in my hand when I try to learn a song. I learn it with my ears first. Because if you've got your instrument and you're trying to play along, then you're going to miss what's going. It's like trying to watch a movie and read a book at the same time or something. It's, it's, you're, it's, you're going to step on a part that you're going to need to know. Yes. Yes. Um, no, I, I get that when I, when I'm learning tunes, I'm, I've either got a pencil in my hand cause I'm charting it out mm-hmm. or I'm just listening to it. And a lot of times, which um, a lot of my drummer buddies kind of freak out when I tell them I, freak out's the wrong word. Um, but they kind of look at me weird is I, a lot of times I don't even listen to the drums. Mm-hmm. I don't need to. I know what the drummer's doing. I need to know where the song's going. What's yeah. the guitar player doing? Where's the singer going? What's the bass player doing? Is he if the bass is just exactly with the drums, I don't even listen to the bass either. I want to know what the guitar and the singer's doing and whatever else instrumentation, horns, keyboard, whatever. Um but and I think that's because the first probably five years I played drums, it was myself and a guitar player. Mm-hmm. That was it. Which is one of the reasons why I always gravitate towards guitar players. Like, yeah, you're a good bass player. You're smoking, but I like that melody line a lot better. It's funny because I feel like I'm just the flip side of that because as a guitar player, and it might have to do with the fact that I started wanting to be a drummer when I was a little kid. I always feel like I try to to lock in with a drummer. And and I play with bass players who tell me that I play differently than a lot of guitar players because I play as if I were a bass player trying to lock in with a drummer. Um, From a drummer's perspective, having played with several guitar players you play and I'm not talking about your solo and when I say solo I mean like your guitar leads Mm -hmm. not your solo shows Um, but your main playing is much more rhythmic than the average guitar player 
being a drummer and playing with you, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that I like most about playing with you. Oh, groove is so important to me. Oh, absolutely. I'm all about the groove. Oh, well, as you should be. But I wish, I'm going to say it, I wish more guitar players were like that. Mm-hmm. Instead of worrying about the shred and all that kind of shit, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. That stuff's amazing and it's needed, but... Could you give me a rhythm I can kind of... Uh, you know, I've, uh, I remember... All I'm, not gonna, to. <laughs> I'm not going to mention any names, but there was a guy that, that I knew when I was growing up that he could rip lead guitar. He was so good. But when he tried to play rhythm, it was... I can't imagine him... I mean, he was in bands, but I don't know who wanted to play with him because he could not play rhythm guitar to save his life. I, um, I've played with guitar players like that, and as a drummer, it sucks. Oh, it's got to be hard to play with people Brutal. Like yeah. It's super hard. Yeah. So... When do you think you, and I know I'm not going to do an interview, but I genuinely want to know because I don't know the answer to this question. When do you think you really went, damn it, I'm going to do this? Oh, it was when I was 14. That's I decided at 14 um, that I wanted to be a guitar player. Nice. And I wanted to be the best ever. Of course, I failed miserably to get there. But Well, um, you did not fail miserably. But uh, uh, yeah, ever since then, I've never been able to stop. Um, I remember... <laughs> Funny, I remember before I played guitar, when I had already decided to be a guitar player, I'm a little kid standing in front of the mirror with a yardstick, pretending like I'm playing guitar. Yes. And I got to jam and I broke Wasn't the yard. Just me. I broke the yardstick. I still remember breaking a yardstick, playing air guitar with it. Um, and I just decided I'm going to be a guitar player, man. And I've done it ever since. And I've tried to do some other things along the way, uh, but I can't, I can't. I, it's always blown. I've played with some really good musicians who quit at some point and it just boggles my mind that how can you be that good? And, and you just quit playing. I don't understand how you can do I couldn't do it. I, I can't do it either. I think a lot of it is, um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to fear of, I hate to use the cliche fear of the unknown, but there is a sense or a lack of security we have as musicians because... Oh, it's hard to do as a job, for th- sure. Yeah, that's what I'm but, talking about. But I know people who not only quit playing in bands, playing in clubs or whatever, but they quit playing their instrument. Oh, you just mean they quit playing in quit general. Playing. Oh, I know a few guys like that, and I don't, I'm like you. I don't how, get it. I don't understand Why? that. I mean, Why me, would you do that? It's in my blood. I, I cannot quit. No, I can't either. You know, it, if, I, if I lost, you know, if I got my hand chopped off in an accident, I'd... I'd probably be like that guy who plays with his feet on TV, you know? Uh, oh, the Toe Jam dude. I've, that's the name of his band. It's Toe Jam. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that guy. He's I mean, awesome. He's, he is awesome. It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. Um, no, I, I, I completely get it. Um, you are from Louisville, right? I or am. from this area? Yes. I was okay. born and raised in Louisville. Okay, cool. Um, that is one question I always ask everybody because I... Hoback was telling me he was from here, and this whole time I've known him, I didn't think he was from here. Oh, yeah. So I was like, well, I, I look like an idiot on my own show. That was fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm from here. I, I, I moved to Las Vegas for a summer, and that's about the the longest I've, I've lived away from here. What was that like? I loved Las Vegas. The only reason I came home was because I was so close to finishing uh, my degree at college. Um, I had one semester left. So I thought I'll come home and finish my degree. Nice. If I if I didn't have a degree to finish, if I or if I hadn't been that close, I might have stayed in Vegas because I loved it out there. Did you play when you were out there? I did not. You did just not. went out there for a summer. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, cool. I, I worked. I worked in a casino while I was out there. But um, but yeah. So but when I first joined uh, my first road band, I joined when I was I think I was nineteen or twenty, and uh, played in the clubs. And that's in the days when you played six nights a week. Right. So you play Monday through Saturday, you have Sunday off, so we'd go home, spend one day at home, and then Monday we'd be back out again some, you know, everywhere from Michigan to Florida to, you know, played all over the place. Um, and it, it, when I first started, I'd, I would have to, in some bars that, that knew I was underage, they'd make me stand at the soundboard for the entire break. You know, you couldn't, you've got to sit at the soundboard, you can't go anywhere else in this club. Yeah, <laughs> I've been there, I've done that, I right. get it. And the big giant X on your hands. Right. Which is, um, and I don't know, I think I've told you the story, which jokingly, we, we have our inside joke about tattoos. But you know, for those that can't see, because I don't have a camera in here, I'm pointing at the X on my left forearm. Do you know what that's for? I don't. That X, I got that X because I spent so much time in bars when I was a kid. 
and I would have with the big, big X, giant right? X's on both of my hands. <laughs> right. And then when I started playing in bars, same thing you went through. I was underage, so when we were on break, I'd have to stand right next to the soundboard mm-hmm. with these big giant X's on my hands. It's hand. funny. Most clubs either didn't find out that I was underage or they didn't care. And I didn't drink in those days anyway. Um, so it's not like I was trying to sneak in alcohol or something. Right. Um, I think a lot of it is for them. I didn't know it then. It's I know it now. Yeah. yeah, it's liability covering their ass. And, and I get it. It but makes I, complete sense. I know in those days, at least, I don't know, I assume it's still that way, uh, but it was legal to be in the bar as long as you were 18. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember I tried to to get into a bar when I was 17. I'd gone to see the, the local heroes, Buster Brown, uh, at the Toy Tiger. And I went and I tried to get in legitimately. I went to the bouncer and I, and I said, look, I don't drink. I'm underage, but I just really want to see this band. Is there any way I can get in? And he said, well, how old are you? And I was 17 years old at the time. And I said, I'm 17. And he said, if you had said 18, I would let you in. But as a 17-year-old, you can get a shutdown being in here. So I cannot right. let you in. So I walked outside and I was standing next to the window, listening through the window to the band. And this girl walked out the door. She said, honey, what are you doing here? And I said, I just wanted to hear the band and I can't get in. And she said, oh, yes, you can. Hold my hand. And so she held my hand. Walked me straight in the front door and said, have a good time, honey. Oh, nice. And I sat down. Very cool. I saw the end of the uh, one song that they played and they took a break. And then the the rent-a-cop came over and <laughs> kicked me out. <laughs> Not nice. <laughs> yeah. Damn it. So I got to see about half a song. You uh, went from nice to not nice in that story. Now I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, damn it. <laughs> what? This has nothing to do with anything other than my own curiosity. What time period was that event when you were going to see the band Buster Brown? Because I was still in high school. Would that have been 90s? I don't want to say that. It was 1782. Every <laughs> Listen, everybody knows I'm old. I don't give a shit. The reason I ask is because I spent my teenage years in North and South Carolina, mm-hmm. back and forth, Charlotte area. Um, and there was a band in Charlotte called Buster Brown. And I know they weren't the same band. I know that, but I'm I'm think I'm wondering. That's kind of cool because there was no social media back then. Are you sure they were from? Yes, one hundred percent positive. Because I, I was going to say, I, I know Buster Brown used to tour quite a bit. I used um, to follow them around. The drummer huh. was a guy named Tim Lale. Oh, wow. and I used to watch. No kidding. Yeah, I used to watch Tim and just go, "I'm going to be that good someday." He was a phenomenal player, and I'll never forget it because he always. Played in jeans and these big ass. I guess they're they would be called Timberlands now, mm-hmm. right? And at the boots, the big work yeah, boots. Looks- he always played in those big ass work boots, and I never understood it. I'm like, how are you doing that? Those right. things are huge, <laughs> right? But yeah, and because somebody else has said something about the band Buster Brown, and I went, "Oh no, this Buster Brown was the band with uh, the singer wound up singing for Foreigner, the drummer wound up playing for the Scorpions." Um. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. So I and I I knew it was two different bands, but I just thought it was timing wise that would have been kind of ironic if mm-hmm. it was the it would have been early nineties. Yeah, they were done by then. They were done by then. Hmm. I'm That's to... still kind of cool though, because that was way before social media. So mm-hmm. there was no way they would have known. There was eight hours away. There was a, another band with the same name. Well, I mean, I know Buster Brown got around. I don't know how far they traveled, but. Back in those days, I mean, everybody did. Everybody was on the road. And, right. You know, so they probably played in the Carolinas at some point, would be my guess. Well, they might have. And this was about the time um, Buster Brown from Charlotte, man, I'm talking about, they stopped or broke up or whatever happened, I don't remember, about the time that Firehouse exploded. Because Firehouse was a band out of Charlotte called White Heat. Oh, right on. Mm-hmm. And they, I met they, those guys one night at the Toy Tiger. <laughs> White Heat or Firehouse? Firehouse. <laughs> Firehouse. No, but they, um, they were they were a band called White Heat, and all the dudes in Buster Brown and all the dudes in White Heat, which became Firehouse, they used to all party together. Oh, yeah. They used to all hang out, and I was, I don't know, 14, 15, trying to like sneak in. I knew one of the guys in one of the bands, and I don't remember who, but I used to like sneak in his apartment and just sit on the couch. Right. And just go... I'm in a room with all these musicians. I'm so cool. No, I wasn't. I you know, was now a that fucking you say annoying that, kid. Because <laughs> I've read your book, and I, I, now that you say that, I think I remember reading that in your book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, hey, how cool am I? No, I'm, I'm not. I was an awkward kid who was <laughs> trying to be cool and trying to pick up some information. You've listened to the show. Yep. 
So one of the things I go through is social media issues. Social media. So this week on social media issues, I'm going to leave it up to you. Because we were talking before I pressed record, and you had said something to the effect of, go. Love, hate. Love, hate. Love Did you ever get into that band, by the way? I do. I have one of their CDs. Yes! I love that man. <laughs> so <laughs> underrated. Okay, sorry. So I think I've got their first record. Anyway. Um, I mean, wait. Before we go any further, how can you not love a band with a singer named Jizzy Pearl? <laughs> well, That's fucking awesome. Yeah, in those days, everybody was trying to... Yeah, have, well, have everything a, was have a unique name. Yeah, and everything was spelled with a Z or a K. Either that, or name yourself after a girl. Yeah, make yourself a Christie or a Cheryl. Or a... <laughs> By the way, those are the names of my mom and sister. <laughs> <laughs> and there are a lot of '80s bands with my mom and sister's names mm-hmm. in the band. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, social media is great. Um, I some sometimes hate it just because it's. Just when you hide behind a keyboard, it, it makes you say things that you wouldn't say when you're in somebody's face. True, um, true. And it also is a, it's a time sucker, man. Sometimes I'll get on, and, and as much as I hate it, I'll get on, and I'll look back down at the clock, and I've spent you know 45 minutes or an hour looking at yep. Facebook or Twitter. Or no, I get it. Something silly. I call um, them OTS, online time sucks. It's it's. And that, and it's designed that way. They're they're trying to maximize screen time. Absolutely. And they're trying to addict you to being on there so that they can sell more ads. And if I could take back all the time I've I've wasted on those uh, things, I, I would be a happier person. Uh, if I could do something productive with that time instead. Um, and like I said before, before we started recording, if if I weren't a musician, uh, I would probably just get rid of it all. I, I probably would too, but you know I'm posting this on social media, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, I, I I get it. I I've had a couple of people on the show before, and and we've talked about that very thing. Um, in fact, uh, when Dave Hoback was here, we were talking about how people will say shit, especially in groups. Um, and what I mean, meaning like the musician groups or mm-hmm. the drummer groups or the guitar groups or whatever other groups you belong to, and on whatever social media platform you're on, but they'll say shit in those forums that they will not say to your face. And I find that fascinating. I've always found it fascinating. I think it's because the fear of getting socked in the face is gone. (laughs) You know? That's probably got a a lot to do with it. Well, what I told Dave is get in somebody's face, and I don't mean that in a shitty way. Just go up to somebody and say, hey, you're not right about this. Let's figure it out. But they won't do it, and I don't. That still, fa- I think it will always fascinate me. And online, it's it's so much easier to not say it in a nice way like that, right? Because when you're in person, there's a little bit of a a social convention that says it it's not right to offend someone you don't know, right? You know, online, two people that don't know each other can get into a, a an online fisticuffs that winds up being, you know, let's meet somewhere and I'll kick your ass, you know. <laughs> The greatest I mean, I, part about that is you use the word fisticuffs. I love you for that. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's crazy, man. And, you know, I, I remember when my MySpace, uh, when I first got on MySpace, uh, for you kids out there, that was an old social media platform. Yes, it was. Um, what did I call it in the book? The the, the glittery spiral time suck? I, I loved MySpace <laughs> because it was it was so much more about music. Yep, you I could, agree. You could find a lot of really cool music on MySpace, and you can't do that on Facebook or Twitter mm-hmm. or Instagram or any of those other things. Did you know that MySpace um, still exists? I did know that. It's still there. Yes. I don't know who in the world uses it. Um, a bunch of musicians. And it's not as good as it was no. it, well, back in those days. I forgot who bought I, it. I think Justin Timberlake bought it. No shit. I think so. Or he was in a some kind of conglomerate that bought it. Um, I think he was one of the guys that, that was instrumental in buying MySpace. I don't huh. know that for a fact. I could be wrong. I just missed Tom's profile picture. You, huh? Remember Tom's profile picture? Uh, Your first friend on MySpace was always Tom. Yeah, I don't remember the picture, though. He was sitting at a desk looking over his shoulder. <laughs> I'll never forget that. That's I don't funny. know why. It's like an image that's burned in my head. But I loved MySpace. I found a lot of cool music. on. I remember the first time I heard Colby Calais uh, was on MySpace, and it was before she had a record deal, and she just had three songs just like everybody else. Yep. And... uh I found Amy Winehouse on MySpace, I think. And uh, I just, I liked that platform. Then Facebook came around 
and I was a uh, um, reluctant user of Facebook, I guess. But Facebook was better about connecting you to people that you actually knew. Right. I, I, I agree. Um, which I think MySpace messed the ball on that, uh, and Facebook stole everything that, my, that MySpace started um, by connecting you to people you actually knew. That's it. I'm going back to Friendster. <laughs> I don't think I ever I ever used that one. I wasn't, but I saw it once and I went, that's some prehistoric shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to use that platform. I like it. But it's it's just like, you know, kids today don't, they don't use Facebook. Facebook's for old people. So they're all on Instagram. Yeah. Um, Which is weird because when Facebook started, or when it, be, I shouldn't say when it started, when it gained popularity, it was the kids. Mm-hmm. And now it's not the kids. No, it's, it's Facebook will be done. Instagram might grow. Who knows? And then there will be something else. It's, Instagram's kind of killing it right now, actually. That's what all the kids are, are are using. I'm on Instagram. Are you on Instagram? I am. Yeah. I, I use I I actually, um, I, I think I like it a little better because I don't want to say there's less fighting, but there's less fighting. There's just... Here's a picture. Yeah. Here's where it came from. Have a nice day. Yeah. Here's my hashtags of all the shit that I'm pimping. See you later. Right. Nobody really bitches at each other on, on Instagram. True. I, but I have noticed be, that. It's, I don't take a lot of pictures, so I don't post to Instagram a whole lot. Fair enough. Same, same with, with Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure I get Twitter. You got to condense everything you want to say into, what is it, 140 characters yeah, or whatever it is. I, I've said this before on the show. I have a Twitter, and I don't use it very much because that is so much an online time suck. You have to put so much time into that app to get any return. For me, it's not worth it. Yeah, I've got, I hardly have any. I've got probably 40 or 50 followers and I follow. I think I have like 15. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I have no followers on Twitter. And I I hardly ever post, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's hard to put anything into words for me that's 140 characters or less. And you can't use grammar because that sucks up characters. Yep. And that bothers me a lot if I can't put a comma in. or that bothers you know. <laughs> me too. Please know the difference between your and your. Can we, can we just put that in the in the oh, Ethernet? Yes. yes. The outer planets, whatever the hell you want to call it. No, yes. I, I, I get it. I think I've said it before. I've, I, I've said it to you just hanging out. Um, I think technology is the greatest, worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. I tell it to my students. You can... It's just like anything else. It it was invented for these amazing purposes, and people have just bulldozed it and abused the shit out of it. You know what? But I think it 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 has moved us forward faster than it uh, we would have moved forward otherwise. In a lot of ways, I, I would agree. I would agree. There's um just just the fact that that information can flow so much more quickly. Oh yes, for um, sure. You know, it's it's. I think it's going to be an exponential thing. Knowledge can grow faster now because you can share it faster. Right. Um, but the side effect to that, though, is, and this is coming from the, the teacher in me, the side effect of that is laziness. Because, and less interaction. Right. But what I'm, I'm talking about, the knowledge part, because the knowledge, you can get it so much faster, but now you don't have to work for it. That's true. And, and you, it's not as vetted. As right, it once was. Yep, because now, I now you, a lot of people take. I don't know how many times I see things online where people post something without having read it through, or you know they haven't fact checked what they're posting. And yeah, well, I saw it online. It's got to be true. Yeah, no, it's it, not. It's, it's not. A lot of times, it is not. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to go do some research, and, and I and I see it in my students. Um, my the the kids I have now, especially the the preteen to teenage kids, they're not the same mindset of kids I had 10, 15 years ago. They don't work as hard. I could just find it on YouTube. It'd be fine. Well, you still have to actually play. Put in the work, yeah. You have to put in the work. You, yeah. you can't just m- mimic a it, dude on YouTube. It is a, it is amazing the stuff that you can learn on YouTube. Though. Absolutely I mean, it is. And I'm not I I'm get not on there. It. You know, I, I was on there a couple of days ago looking up, you know, chicken picking. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm uh, not busting on it at all. You know, just because... There are so, I mean, you can see really great players showing Absolutely. you how they do things, and you got to weed through a lot of crap. Well, you um, do, you do, but it's it's a lot more effective than having to go through the phone book and taking your luck with going to see a teacher and finding out. Nope, that's not the guy. I agree. I, I agree. I, I think with me, almost everything. I don't want to say modern times, but almost everything we deal with 
in everyday life is almost a double-edged sword. Because on the one hand, it's amazing. On the other hand, can you not do that? You know what I'm saying? I absolutely know what you're saying. Especially coming as a teacher. You know, when I taught, uh, and I don't teach anymore. Why not, by the way? Um, I'm not sure I can put it into words uh, very concisely. But um, I think I don't teach because, number one, student turnover is high. Very. Um, which is annoying to me. I'll tell you this. I had a kid... He came in, he had zero experience playing guitar. Uh, his, in fact, his mom asked me, he was left-handed, his mom asked me, should he play a left-handed or a right-handed guitar? And I uh, tried to give her the pros and cons of, you know, if he's left-handed and he plays a right-handed guitar, it'll be cheaper for you. You know, right-handed guitars are cheaper. Yeah. Um, they're more common. But, it, I, I don't know, it, it, there, there are pros and cons. Anyway... The kid came in and I decided I'm going to try to teach myself to play left-handed as I'm teaching this kid just to gauge his progress. Right. Because he decided to play um, right-handed. And he came in and he was, and I'm not sure if it was because he was left-handed, so he was using his left hand as his fretting hand. Um, he picked up chords way more quickly than anybody else I've ever seen. Right. And I thought, this kid is going to be like my claim to fame. Your prodigy. I'm going to be this kid's teacher and he's yeah. going to be great. Yeah. Because most of the time when you teach a kid, they can learn a G chord and a D chord on day one, but they can't switch between those two chords. Uh, it's play the, play the G chord, take two seconds to rearrange your hands, then play the D chord. This kid got the switch pretty quick. Right. He could do it in lesson one. He could do a switch. Nice. Uh, which is crazy. Um, and I thought this kid's going to be great, but he absolutely did not practice at all. So every week I was going over the same things with him, you know, and I tried to teach him, I tried to teach him songs cause I wanted to keep him interested. So I'm like, what songs do you like? Let's, and I was trying to teach him simple songs that used G's and D's and you know, the three or four chords that I'd taught him that he had learned. Um, so I tried to use different songs every week with those same chords to try and keep his interest. And he just would not practice and and I thought, how am I going to keep, how can I justify taking this lady's money to right. teach this kid when basically I'm just babysitting for a half an hour every week? Yeah. And in no. fact, I think he might have even had an hour lesson. And eventually they quit. Um, and then so many students would, uh, you know, even though they would pay for the month, they would call up while I'm sitting there waiting for my next lesson. They'd call up and say, we're not going to make it today. And yeah. then I'd have No, a, it's, it's very unstable. Uh, I mean, I've been true. doing it forever. I, and I get it. I was just curious. Um my wife asks me all the time why I keep doing it. Mm. And the only reason I can ever give her consistently as an answer is so far I have 13 kids that have gone on to music school and they're all working in the industry. Oh, wow. That's they're, awesome. They're slaying it. I mean, they're killing it. I've got two in Nashville right now. Mm -hmm. One kid plays six, seven nights a week. I mean, they're killing it. Mm -hmm. And I tell her all the time, those 13 examples or why I keep doing it. Uh, and it's great when you get somebody that works at it and they improve. Oh, yeah. It's, it's rewarding. Absolutely. Um, but some, sometimes it's just so frustrating. Oh, no, I get it. And I totally got I got it. down to where I only had a few students and the schedule was all jacked up and I'd have one student and I'd have an hour break and then another student and then... No, and, I get it. And I just... And I had to drive halfway across town to each and... No, no, no. I, I completely get it. I, I really do. There, I have, believe me, I, I admit it freely. I have my days where I go, why? If I, if I could wake up tomorrow this? and have 20 kids that were committed, I would probably start teaching again. Oh, uh, you're a dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I don't teach anymore. So I think that's a perfect place to stop the social media issues. And let's move on to stories from the stage. So, my story from the stage, I thought I would use one about a drummer. Uh-oh. Uh, since you're a drummer. Uh-oh. You drummers are handfuls. Hands full. <laughs> um, one, of my, one of my friends used to say that we were spastic little fucks. Ah, uh, well, you could say that too. <laughs> so, right, one, fine. one night, uh, I used to play in a band that had a drummer that had a small bladder. 
So we do an hour set, and a lot of times he would have to pee in the middle of that hour somewhere. Right. So his habit was to turn around on his drum throne between songs and pee in a beer bottle. Uh, and I told him one day, uh, I'm not going to say his name, uh, but I told him one Don't day, talk I said, about me on my own damn show. I said, man, that's really unprofessional. If you need to pee, go to the bathroom. We'll just, we'll play an acoustic song or something. So he started doing that. It can and, be done. And he would just have to jump up. He'd say, I'll be back. And he'd run off the stage and go, uh, go to the bathroom. Anyway, this one night he, he jumped up, up off his throne and said, play an acoustic song. And uh, I sat down on the edge of the stage. Our singer uh, started playing a song by himself. And I'm sitting on the edge of the stage thinking that he's running to the bathroom. Well, all of a sudden, I see all these bouncers running across the room, like toward the exit doors. Big wall of exit doors. The Phoenix Hill Tavern. Right. Saloon. And they throw open the doors. And I see my drummer outside. He had really long hair. And I see my drummer outside in the parking lot on top of a guy who's laying on the parking lot and I see his hair and his fist in unison coming down and <laughs> beating the pulp out of this guy. I'm like, what in the hell is going on? It, as it turns out, the guy was uh, hitting on our drummer's wife right in front of the stage and they started getting into it and he started cussing her out. And so my drummer was mad. And he saw the guy leaving the building, and he thought, "I don't, I'm not going to have a chance to beat this guy's ass." So, so in the middle of the show, so in the middle of the set, oh. he chased him into the parking lot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not, we did not lose the gig after that. That's crazy. Hang on, fellas, I'm going to use my normal pee rouge yeah. to go beat this dude's ass. I'm like that wasn't professional either, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to this day, one of my best friends. Um, That's but, awesome. I, I actually, um, one of my buddies that, that listens to the show and, and helps me behind the scenes, he always he told me that I should always try to match a show or come close. I don't have anything that's as cool as that. With the exception of I was doing a New Year's Eve gig and I was watching this dude hit on my wife. We weren't married at the time. And you know, Stacy, you know how she is. <laughs> She's got to be amazing to put up with my shit. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm I'm on stage and I'm in a tux. It's New Year's Eve, playing, and I see this guy and I'm going, that's once. She kind of brushes him off. See him come back a few minutes later, and in my head I'm going, that's twice. So he comes back a third time, and she doesn't brush him off. She cocks back, and in my head I went, oh, no. that's three, you dumbass. <laughs> and she didn't punch him. But you know how when somebody forearms you right in the chest to knock you down? Mm-hmm. She knocked this dude back probably, I don't know, 10 feet. Oh. And she was in high heels and an evening <laughs> gown. So I'm on stage and I start laughing my ass off. And of course my mic that I wasn't using, my singing mic, started picking up my cackling. And I kind of got in trouble. So no. it wasn't professional well. either. <laughs> but it was still funny because <laughs> I knew that dude was I was like, no. That's not the girl, dude. You don't want to hit on her. Right. <laughs> and you know, you know how Stacy is. She she's a little spitfire. Yeah, she'll tell you what, uh, what's what. Yeah, she will tell you what's what real quick. Okay, so the last section I do on the show is what are you listening to? Oh, and I told you before, I was going to have to get out my phone. Because I listen to so much stuff. I can tell you right now what's on in the car. I've got a CD in the car right now that's Porcupine Tree. and uh, Gavin Harrison, very, very good drummer. But is he on the record that you have, or do you know? I do not know. I do he not wasn't know. on their early records. I can't remember that this guy's one, name. Uh, the record, I think the record is called Anesthetize. The song Anesthetize is certainly on the record. Um I can't remember if he's on that or not. Anyway. Oh, love that song. Anyway, Porcupine Tree is on in the car. Um, I've been listening to a band called Big Wreck a lot lately because I'm going to go to Chicago to see them in February. Oh, nice. Um, who else have I listened to a lot lately? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to look at my phone. No, it's, feel it's, free. It's, uh, I have a, a, a wide span of stuff that I listen to. So I'll just tell you... Um, what my phone tells me on Spotify. I'm, I'm new to Spotify, so I'm sort of loving it. 
because I can listen to anything I want. Um, I haven't done the Spotify thing yet. I use Rhapsody. Well, it's, now it's called Napster. They merge, but it's it will always mm-hmm. be Rhapsody to me. I've had a Rhapsody subscription for damn near 20 years. I've had it for a long time. I think at this point, they owe me money. <laughs> right. Been using it for a minute. So, and I don't know how to use I don't know how to, I, you know, sometimes, oh, there it is. Kevin Gilbert. Uh, Red Dragon Cartel, which is Jakey e. Lee's band. Uh, yes, I've heard some of that stuff. That stuff's pretty sick. Um, who is Kevin Gilbert? Kevin Gilbert is a guy who, um, he's no longer alive, but he's got a couple of records. One is called Thud. Uh, the other one is called Taming of the Shrew. What kind of, um, what kind of genre is it? <sighs> I don't, you don't have to get specific, but I mean, is it? I'm not certain what to call it. Um, singer songwriter ish ish it's a little avant-garde um that's a good record uh, ah i see what i did there i do <laughs> i love that record by the way um uh anyway kevin gilbert uh was um cheryl crow's record uh whatever it was called tuesday night something or other or, oh the tuesday night music club yes yes he was in that music you know you know that's uh, okay I know that's, what a, you're talking that's about. about the songwriter circle that they got together he right. was in that um, okay very cool um Anyway, super, super interesting stuff. Very um, cool. Let's see. A- Andy Timmons, who's a guitar player who has mm-hmm. a local connection here in Louisville. Um, his brother used to own, uh, I think it's his brother, used to own uh, the uh, big record store here in town. Oh, nice. Um, Andy Timmons, Theme from a Perfect World is the name of that. Um, there's a big rec record. So you um, really are all over the map. All over the map, man. The Police, Jason Isbell. Um, I listen to a lot of stuff, man. Um, I no, was, that's cool. I, I was listening to Merle Haggard yesterday, trying to cop some chicken picking licks. Um, <laughs> do you know? And as a drummer, this me being a drummer, this may shock you that I know this. Do you know who is a phenomenal chicken picker, and a lot of people don't know it? John Five. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the dude, he's the guy that played for Marilyn Manson. Yeah, right? he played for Marilyn Manson, and he plays for White Zombie or Rob Zombie. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a ridiculously good chicken picker. Right. He, um, uh, I listened to an interview with him. Uh, he was on Eddie Trunk's show, I think. Eddie Trunk's podcast. Um, but long story short, he did a clinic at Mom's a couple of years ago. And I figured he was going to do a lot of shred stuff and mm-hmm. all that. And his whole clinic was chicken picking. Really? Yeah, so he shows up looking the way he does. <laughs> right. And he starts chicken picking and all my guitar player buddies and all the guitar teachers that are teaching there, they're all looking at him going... Holy shit. Right. So that there you go. I gave you something. There As you a drummer, go check five. that out. All yeah. Right, he's got out. a bunch of ironically, he's got a bunch of videos on YouTube of him. You know, I'll tell him. you something else that I've been listening to lately. Uh so I I've taken it back to the social media thing. Somebody posted something about um Kip Winger, the singer for Winger, mm-hmm. is uh, it seems like he's he's either was up for a Grammy or is up for a Grammy for a classical, classical score. record. Yes. yes. Yep. Um, a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago or something, he was, uh, he, so I, I saw that story, uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'm, I liked winger when they were out, when they were, you know, before Beavis and Butthead ruined them. <laughs> and, <laughs> I agree. It really is their fault. It, it kind of is. Um, yeah. <laughs> and grunge, grunge killed the whole, that whole scene. Well, yeah, anyway, uh, that. for whatever reason, I thought, you know, I never heard anything after that. I wonder if they did anything after that. And I looked and I found this record called, I think it's called Karma. And it's His a, solo record? No, it's a winger record. And it was, uh, it seems like it was put out in 2008, 2009, something like that. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. It's it's the record he put out as winger, but he hired studio players. No, no, no. I think it's the I think it's the same band. Well, I'm dumb. Then I got I, I don't know for sure. You, but no, dude, it, trust me. You're sounds like Red Beach to me. Um and I think it's Rod Morgenstein playing drums. I'm not positive. That guy I'm, is so good. I'm pretty sure it's the it's the original band. Uh, Speaking I, of Rod Morgenstein, wouldn't stake my life on it. One of the coolest dudes I've ever met. Is that right? Yeah, I, I've I've had the pleasure of meeting a shit ton of people, and it, that's irrelevant. But he spent probably 40 minutes with me, just shooting the shit about everything. This was I don't know 2002, 2001, somewhere like that. Uh, I met him when he was playing with the Dixie Drakes. I've heard somebody Super else say the nice same guy. thing. But I can't remember who else told me that they met him. That yeah. He was a really nice guy. And, and it's awesome because he's, we kind of, I guess as long as we've been doing this, we've met so many people, whether we played with them or open for them or whatever. Uh, it's it's you irrelevant. Just, you run in the same. Yeah. You run into the same 
especially the the higher level players, so mm-hmm. to speak, because Rod Morgenstein as a drummer, the guy's fucking phenomenal. Oh, he's great. So you see him, or at least for us, we drummers, we kind of see that guy playing. Go man, and then you meet him, and he's super cool, and he's super down to earth. So I, I, I kind of dig that. I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's another record that I, I've listened to. I was surprised that I liked it um, as I, much as I like it. It's it's almost it's not progressive exactly, but it's not exactly like an early winger. Record. Uh, winger was always a little bit different than the three chord. Oh, absolutely. Hair band rock. Anyway, um, absolutely. They were all studio players, you know, before that band. Um, yeah, and in more the thing they did in the end of that song, um, ah, shit, whatever the damn hit was, headed for a heartbreak. Seventeen. Yes. No. 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 It was headed for heartbreak. You're right. Yeah. Because they went in that end section. It's like I think it's in seven four or something. It is. It just goes into this weird thing. And Rob Mortensen's going off on his. Oh yeah. yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. And then people go, "Well, they were just a hair band." It's like, and no, actually, they were really good players. Actually, they were very good players. You you said it best. Absolutely. Anything else? Is that it? Oh. You gave everybody a lot of shit to go listen to. A lot to. of stuff. I listened to a lot of podcasts. You got um, me. Now I got to go listen to a lot of bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yes, Carl. I just said a lot of bunch of. A lot of bunch of stuff. I meant to. A lot of bunch of stuff. I appreciate that. <laughs> I like, I like ad- adjectives. I was feeling kind of verbo- verbose before, but now you've you made me feel much more at ease. <laughs> Not only did I do adjectives. I made words that don't exist. A lot of bunch of. A lot of bunch of. <laughs> well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. Carl, anything you want to add? Uh, nothing striking me. You're striking. Oh. I told you today how cute you are. You're striking. You haven't shaved and you're looking very... I'm looking a little furry. You're, you're a little funny. Nice. I got this kind of weird I shit got going the on. whole Don Johnson sexy going on. <laughs> Without the sexy. Yeah. <laughs> No, I appreciate it. I I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out with me and do oh, my little show. Free coffee, man. Well, absolutely. Don't advertise that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, wait a minute. Who am I kidding? Anybody that knows me knows there's coffee in my it's house. Gonna be coffee. <laughs> totally going to be coffee in my house. <laughs> uh, but no, thank you for for hanging out, and uh, hopefully you'll come back. I would love to. And uh, hopefully we will play together again soon. I'm always up for that. Oh, I am too. I miss playing with you. I shouldn't even say it like that. I mean, we still play together. I, we just played the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we can do more in the future. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm game. <laughs> game. Game. A lot of bunch of game or a lot of bunch of game. A bunch of whole lot of them. Oh, that's it. You win. I got nothing. Well, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you dug it. I hope you learned something from... My friend Carl, who's actually still sitting here as I do this close, looking at me like I'm a retard, which I'm used to that look. I was trying to look off into the distance. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's it. I want you to get out of here and go do some shit. Seriously, go. Go practice. Carl, tell him. Go. Practice. Do practice. Yes. I need to go do the same. That's it. Let's go practice together. Let's do it. All right. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.